two schools of thought, two versions of Jacob, two little ships, and two cast members join us tonight. It's all next on episode eight of Resurrection Revealed. Welcome back to Resurrection Revealed, the unofficial podcast and blog by fans and for fans with theories and a lot more, especially this time. It's all about ABC Television's Resurrection, recorded March 26, 2014. And with you once again, I am Wayne Henderson, the voice acting, podcasting, Green Bay Packers fan. And, you know, I'm not the only Green Bay Packers fan here on the podcast. That is true. I am Troy Heinrichs. I am also a Packers fan and part owner of the 13-time world champion team and currently seeing double as we discuss Two Rivers this evening, the third episode of Resurrection that aired March 23rd, 2014 in the States. And we also share a double dose of interviews this evening as we chat with Landon Jimenez, who plays Jacob, as well as Travis Young, who plays Ray Richards. Show notes for this episode can be found at our website, resurrectionrevealed.com slash eight. All right, so we have a few points we want to go over before we jump into the interviews, and then we have your listener feedback. First off, Troy, now that we've had a chance to soak in the episode, do you have any new thoughts on Uncle Fred Langston's question to Jacob about, what are you? Well, the way Jacob reacts after that question is asked, it seemed like he was thinking of an answer, like he wanted to reach out and kind of have this relationship with Uncle Fred. Like, I think that it kind of sits in his mind and then these words come back right from Caleb, you know, you need to lie. You need to be careful with what you say. So I think that's when he makes the excuse about the sandwiches and runs off because he doesn't want to kind of get trapped in a longer conversation with Fred. Um, I don't think Fred has malevolent, malevolent intentions going on here, but I think what's going to happen is that Fred's own mind and his own way of thinking as he kind of processes, this is going to end up driving him to a breaking point with potentially a disastrous result. Uh-oh, I hope not. Now, we did have our third official return in the form of Rachel at the end of the episode, which if you actually saw some of the previews for next week, it does make it look like this is kind of an old girlfriend of Tom's. Interestingly enough, though, Rachel is another Bible name. Mm-hmm. So, so far we got three for mm-hmm. three when it comes to names from the Bible. Uh, Rachel was the wife of Jacob, for those that aren't familiar. You know, but what is interesting about this Bible story is that... Um, on Jacob's wedding day, the biblical Jacob, on his wedding day, Rachel's father, Laban, uh, or Laban, switched out Rachel for his daughter, Leah, and Jacob didn't notice because Leah was technically veiled. Later, Jacob confronts the father, and basically he excused the deception by insisting the older sister should marry first. He assured Jacob that after the wedding week was finished, he could take Rachel as his wife and work another seven years as payment for her. Now, what I find interesting about this story is that and, and this may be a little bit of a stretch, but this episode kind of talks about two versions of people or two versions of stories or two versions of things. So this replacement in the story in the Bible of Leah for Rachel, for me, it kind of was like, well, I'm hiding it behind a veil. So are there really these carbon copies of the returned or the resurrected out there? And this outer shell that looks the same as the deceased person, but maybe on the inside, there's something different. Now, <laughs> it's a great Bible story. I think I'm going to go with your point earlier about it being a bit of a stretch, but I could see where it could tie in. And I'm just trying to imagine that that guy working seven years and then, oh, psych, wrong girl, work seven more years. Uh, 
that's dedication there. Um, another point is, I think it's kind of nice having an investigator on the show like Martin Bellamy, who is suspicious, just like we are in the audience. Instead of on most TV shows, the investigators are just bumbling around like idiots all the time. I think this is good stuff that he is suspicious, just like we are, and we're going to get answers soon. Yeah, the scene with Caleb and Bellamy was epic because Bellamy kind of wanted to walk in. He's expecting him to be, you know, cop Bellamy. I'm going to grill you and get the answers that I need to get out of Caleb. And then Caleb literally switches that conversation on a dime to be, what's it like to die? And I was totally bought in. And you could see Bellamy was totally bought in. And then he's like, I'm just messing with you. (laughs) I was like, what? So I think what this actually goes to show is that Caleb's character at the end of the day is a little bit shady maybe even a con artist, and he's basically really good at manipulating people to get what he wants. Oh, absolutely. Like when he, quote-unquote, took care of Elaine by bringing her favorite lunch to her after work. Exactly. And then he's repairing the bike with Ray at the end of the episode, and I think Caleb is doing that more to prove to Elaine that he's holding up his end of that conversation about taking care of Ray so she can take care of herself rather than actually trying to foster a relationship with Ray. So I think that this is really a great insight into what Caleb's character is and what point he's going to take. So, But the best part of this entire conversation with Agent Bellamy was at the end when he's, they're talking about, you know, I believe it was Bellamy that says, you can't escape who you are. And then Caleb is like, you, know, you have to be able to learn from your mistakes. So we got two different perspectives, and I think this two is kind of where they come up with the two rivers because there's a lot of bipolar conversation going on or differencing of opinion conversation throughout this episode. And I agree totally. Although I didn't catch on to a lot of this stuff when I was watching the episode through the first time, but now after hearing you explain it, it it makes perfect sense. And I can see where they are tying a lot of things into that two rivers. And it's not just the water with how many deceased people that have uh, going back to maybe even the civil war, they could be in those waters. Right. It's almost like two paths in this case, they're watery paths, but it's two paths to get to some end conclusion. And if you go back again to the Bible a little bit, these two rivers, we go back to the opening credit sequence. I think it was episode four, which you can get at resurrection slash four at the website we mentioned how in these opening credits, the trees in the background kind of may resemble the tree of knowledge and the tree of um, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And with that, you know, the Tigris and Euphrates rivers are where the Garden of Eden technically was. So, which is, I think, current modern day Iraq. But what I'm going with this is that could this Garden of Eden place, this perfect garden where we could live forever, is that Arcadia? Is it that same kind of place. Interesting theory. Now I'm going to go ahead and say that although Arcadia, Missouri in the show does not exactly mirror the garden of Eden, it does look like a great small town to live in, except for whatever is going on with the whole factory closing and all of that. Other than that, it looks like a great place. All right. And another point, this one's the one that really has me. I like the fact that they used the term carbon copy instead of duplicate or clone since technically carbon is a more accurate representation of what humans are so the question is are we more than just dust since like the carbon version of jacob is decaying in the tomb 
whereas the life part of Jacob is up and walking around. You know, it's kind of breaking open some science on you there. Yeah, I think that's a great observation. I really feel the show is trying to get us to that concept. What does it mean to be alive or what does life even mean? And it's more than the person being there. It also includes the experiences that you have along the way. Take Henry and Lucille when they have that conversation on the porch, right? Henry says he can't let the original Jacob go and he can't understand how Lucille was able to do that. Now, Frances Fisher, once again, she says so much in her eyes and her acting without saying anything at all. And the look she gives, Kurtwood basically says in her mind, right? Uh, she's basically saying, I'm enjoying my time with this living version of Jacob. I have not let the memory of our original Jacob go any more than you have, but you're an arrogant man for assuming basically how I feel. And I think that's why she gets frustrated and walks away because she hasn't forgotten her original son. She's just understanding life to be something different than Henry is at this moment. Oh, no doubt. And that was probably one of the best scenes of the entire episode. The acting was brilliant and the message that it sends. And of course, again, asking us to ask ourselves, what if? The scenes with Veronica Cartwright, it was great to have her guest starring on this episode. She's been in like everything and it's yeah. always great to see her on the small screen. Now, her and Mark Hildreth working off of each other was very telling that there are two lines of thought, even amongst the spiritually devout Pastor Tom basically confirming in his faith that God will show us the way. And then Helen, who's also very spiritually devout, according to her anyway, pretty sure that the devil's hand is at work. And then there's that board member scene a little bit later where basically you have that same two schools of thought again because Helen and Gary Humphrey share their thoughts, especially when Gary says Caleb is back too. Pastor Tom actually uses the words, this is my church. And then Helen corrects him and says, no, no, this is our church. So again, two schools of thought. And I think that's kind of the theme that we got, that there's two paths to every solution as we move forward. Again with the two metaphor. <laughs> and that was the that line that Helen's saying that this is our church. That was the most sense that Helen made on that particular episode. Now, I thought it was interesting, and we're going to go with the two thing one more time here. Bellamy, you know, he's not an outdoorsy guy. And he had that interesting line where he says, humans built cities for a reason to protect ourselves from nature. And I'm wondering if the someone might be the government and they're building cities to protect us from the returned or maybe to protect the returned from us. Is there a protection theme being introduced here? Because another protection concept mentioned is when Henry says to Jacob in the woodshed, you don't belong here. It's too dangerous. You know, is this a foreshadowing of something that's going to come? Is Henry worried about Jacob and what may happen to him? Or is he only worried about himself? You know, the two opinions on how we could interpret that entire scene. Yeah, it's exactly how I was feeling as well. You know, as you're watching it, do you believe that Henry is worried about Jacob and what might happen, especially as Caleb kind of pointed out with Agent Bellamy in the kitchen, right? You're just going to find him. You're going to take him. You're going to do tests on him and that kind of thing. So is Henry worried about him and, and he's doing like the higher level? It's too dangerous. You don't belong here. We need to protect you. Or is he doing the you don't belong here is too dangerous because you're a kid. Get out of my woodshed. You're not my son. So again, he's actually having two schools of thought in his own mind. We'll find out hopefully in a couple of episodes. Again with the twos. 
Now, this episode, far superior than giving it a two rating. In fact, I would say this episode of Resurrection is my favorite so far this very short season already. I'm going to give this episode nine and a half out of ten sloppy Joe sandwiches because I am really hungry. I agree. But because you already used the sandwiches, I'm going to give it a nine out of ten tagless t-shirts. Those are good, too. We both love the episode. I think most everybody loved the episode. I thought this one was great, really, at the end of the day, because the pilot sets up kind of who everybody is. The second episode is the, okay, hook me in for the long haul kind of episode. So it has those great cliffhangers and the whole, you know, who's in the casket and what, you know, did Caleb actually, you know, bust up Dale's kneecaps, you know, and then you have this episode, which really starts to build the character relationships of the show. And I think now when we hit episode four, it's going to be full on game on. We're going to get to see what the real meat of all this is all about. Well, we got some fan feedback coming up in just a little bit. But first, we want to talk with our good friends, Jacob, played by Landon Jimenez and Ray, played by Travis Young. So stay tuned. We got those interviews coming up next. My name is Al. And I'm Joyce. And we're, we're huge, huge Disneyland, Disneyland fans. fans. In fact, we love the Disneyland Resort so much, we host a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on earth to share that passion with others. That's right. On our show, Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast, we share current resort news, some tips and tricks we've learned over the years to help make your Disneyland Resort vacation the most magical experience ever. We uncover little-known and often-overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures and even review the attractions and places to eat that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And if that wasn't enough, we even share some video episodes to help keep you in that Disney magic state of mind. If you're a longtime fan of the Disneyland Resort or you've just recently discovered the magic, this podcast is for you. You can find Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast at www. Talescast.com and in iTunes. And remember, make, make it, it a, a Mickey, Mickey day. day. So, Resurrection fans, we are here with Landon Jimenez. He plays Jacob on Resurrection Sunday nights on ABC. And it's so great that you took some time out this evening, Landon. I know you've got a busy schedule, you know, being a, a growing boy in all sports, video games, school, all that great stuff. So, I'm just glad that you were able to join us. So I guess our first question for you, Landon, is since this is your first big acting job, kind of tell us about how you landed this role with the Resurrection crew and being in this very you know, featured role on the show. Well, I auditioned for it. And uh, well, a few weeks later, we got a call back again for it. And it was 10 boys, right? That were there. And... So I was there and then I spent like 45 minutes in the room with them and we were all cracking up and laughing. And then we went back home. The director wanted to meet me, so we waited. We got a um, later flight, but then he didn't, he didn't show up, so we just went home. And then we got another call back and they wanted us to come back and do one more audition. And so after that was all done, we went home. And I was just in the car, we were driving to my mom's dance studio, and I go inside and my dad's crying, like tears of joy, and he's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm like, what's going on? He's like, mom didn't tell you? And I'm like, no. He goes, you got the part. And I started jumping up and down. 
Amazing. That was probably one of the biggest shocks that you've had in a good way in a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you were kind of getting ready for auditioning for this role, did you watch a lot of other child actors that were close to your same age, you know, in other dramatic roles to imagine yourself doing the same thing in drama? No, not really. I actually wanted to do comedy, but I guess not. Right. Beggars can't be choosers, right? <laughs> Always that next role. So why don't you talk a little bit about the relationships you formed on the set? You've had some very big parts with some really heavy hitters in the acting community. So why don't we start with Francis and Kurtwood? Did you have to call them Mr. Smith and Ms. Fisher? Actually, no. They were okay with uh, calling them by their real names. And they actually acted like, like my real parents. They were so nice. Frances actually took me to her house. And since I can't eat gluten, um, I get sick. Uh, she made me and my sisters gluten-free pasta while we were um, upstairs watching TV in her house. It was really fun. So the real question is, is what does a gluten-free grilled cheese taste like? It actually wasn't gluten-free. Oh, no. Sadly. <laughs> Did you have to just pretend to eat it? No, I ate it, and they didn't have a spit bucket for me. I was like, oh, this torture. <laughs> How how about um, Mark, who plays your friend from when you were a child? Now he's an adult. Was it really cool to be playing video games together? And did he kind of seem like a big brother because he's a lot older than you in real life? Yes. Um, he's actually just like my best friend. We love to hang out with each other and talk and stuff. And then what about Omar? I know that you had to spend a lot of time getting into that you know, first pilot episode. What was it like working with Omar? Um, it was super, super fun, especially because he was on the house and everyone was always talking about him at my mom's dance studio. I'm like, who's Omar Epps? <laughs> and so I finally got to meet him and he was super, super nice and sweet. I loved hanging out with him. Uh, we want to remind <laughs> everybody that we are uh, talking with Landon Jimenez, who plays Jacob on Resurrection. We're having a great time talking with him and uh, we are uh, learning some great things already. And Troy, you've got something else to ask him that's... Uh, People want to know if we can get some inside information. Yeah, you had a really big scene this week with good old Uncle Fred uh, playing cops and robbers. And there was a question that Uncle Fred asks you. And he says, what are you? And in that scene, you're just kind of sitting there, kind of biting your lip. What's going through your mind when he asks you the question, what are you instead of who are you? I think um, he's kind of confused as to what this question is. And he gets a little nervous, and he's just trying to make an excuse out of it with the sandwiches. And what is the deal with that? Why do you guys eat so much? I don't know. Yet to be revealed. Yes. Season two, hopefully. Or three, or four. Or one million. That's good. There you go. All right. <laughs> the show will continue. Resurrection rolls on. And, of course, the big question, Landon, do you still dream about that creepy whistle that uh, when Caleb was wandering around in their first couple of episodes? Oh, yes. It gives me nightmares. He would always scare me with that whistle. Always. He would sneak up behind me and start whistling. He would freak me out. So it really is him whistling? Yes, it's him. And that's definitely not a good thing when you're at craft services, right? Because if he scares you with a plate full of food. Oh, no. <laughs> Shot my pudding once. He knows how I feel about my pudding. Vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. So the biggest debate is Donkey Kong on a stand-up arcade machine or Donkey Kong on a smartphone. Which one is better? 
stand-up arcade machine. That would be way better. Very good answer. Have you ever got to play on one? I've played on so many of those. So what is your favorite video game then, besides Donkey Kong? Okay, I gotta think about this one. I have a lot of favorite video games. <laughs> okay. Lego Batman. Lego Batman's great. I was actually just playing Lego, the Lego movie video game actually with my son uh, just a little while ago. So I totally agree with you. The Lego games are the best. And then the Legos you were playing with uh, in your bedroom, are those like your Legos? Did they bring them onto the set? How did that work out? They brought them onto the set. That was nice of them because we all love the Lego movie. Now, Landon, uh, what is your favorite color? And then try to picture yourself as Jacob. What do you think Jacob's favorite color would be? My favorite color is kind of a tan orange. I think Jacob's favorite color would be red. Interesting. How about your favorite movie? And then what is Jacob's favorite movie? Hmm. My favorite movie is definitely the, the Lego movie. And I think Jacob might be Star Wars. Probably so, since he's from that uh, early 80s time frame. I think that's probably a good choice. Yeah. How about your favorite season of the year, Landon? Do you like oh, winter uh, or summer? Or I like summer because there's no school. Oh, perfect. That makes sense. How about Jacob's? Is he the same way? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it seems like he likes to play a lot back in the woods, down by the river. So it would make sense that he'd want to be somewhere between spring and fall for sure. Because it'd be pretty icy out there by the river in the wintertime, I would assume. Yeah. So the big question we've been asking everybody, of course, because we're dealing with people coming back from the dead or the beyond, because we still don't know what's really going on, right? If one person in history could come back to life, who would that person be for you? And what one question would you ask them? My um, dad's dad, we call him Papi Luis. I wanted him to come back because he was like my dad, too. If you could have a conversation with Papa Louis, then what kind of questions would you ask him? Like, what would you want to um, learn from him? What was it like when he died? And why would you want to know that? I don't know, because to see how it feels like to not be able to breathe. Which is very similar to Jacob, right? Because that's how you know, have to play him being under the water. Now, how did they shoot that scene for you? Did you have to be like, was it like in a dunk tank? It was actually in a pool. There was a stunt devil there um, dipping me out and in of the water. And he made me um, hit the rock like he was holding my feet and he pushed me onto the rock. Which was, of course, a sponge rock, right? It wasn't a real rock, I hope. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was real. <laughs> that so, scene was yeah. really well done. Thank you. And then as we wrap up here, the fans obviously want to get behind you and your career and everything. So now that you've landed your big role, are there other projects that are coming up that we can look for you in and we can promote those for you or possibly any charities or projects that we can help donate to? Well, I don't have any upcoming roles or anything like that. Probably fairly soon after Resurrection finishes up this first season, I would assume that people are going to be excited to talk to you about something. I forgot to say I'm doing this um, red carpet for a pet rescue service. Oh, that's cool. What's the name of the pet rescue service? Bark. Bark. And is that there uh, down south or is that a nationwide company? Uh, south. Down south. Oh, that's great. Um, and if you want, we can actually put all of that information then to help you with that event and that organization in our show notes at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Landon. That would be great. Well, thanks so much for taking time to talk to the fans, Landon. We hope you big success. You know, so far the show's going great. 
It looks like we're going to have even more twists and turns with your character as we go along, and we just can't wait to see you, you know, unfold as the next six episodes air. Oh, you just wait. We're having a hard time waiting every single week for a new episode, but we will. We thank you again, Landon, for joining us tonight on Resurrection Revealed. Thank you so much. Wow, that was awesome. Hanging out with Landon Jimenez here on the Resurrection Revealed podcast. Troy, good stuff, right? Absolutely. It's always fun to talk to different types of people. I mean, we've never had a chance to interview a you know, really a child actor before. You know, Landon's playing, you know, an eight eight year old on the show. I think he's ten in real life. So just fun talking to him and getting some cool insights. And of course, everything is awesome when you're watching Resurrection. Definitely. So check out the show notes at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Landon. We'll have the link to the dog rescue that he mentioned there in the interview. And now we're going to go right into our listener feedback section for some voicemails. Hey, this is Jeff Gentry, X-Force 11, calling in. Man, tonight's episode rocked. Um, I was having kind of major flashbacks to Lost because... Um, it had the elements of mystery. It had uh, the relationship stuff going on. Such a good episode. Just a good balance of um, everything. And the acting was out of sight tonight. Um, I'm just really glad that this show's on. Um, I'm glad uh, it seems really focused with only eight episodes that they're doing really well. So looking forward to... Uh, seeing what ties these resurrected or returned people together and uh, seeing where it goes from there and interesting uh, to see how it all happened. So look forward to seeing more and look forward to hearing what y'all have to say about it. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, Jeff, for calling in again, 904-469-7469 or resurrectionrevealed.com slash feedback to submit that in. Yeah, I'm getting a, a lost vibe as well. I know we kind of talked about it. We don't want to put the lost card on the table right away, but the character relationship from this episode alone just really harkened back to those early days of Lost. Oh, absolutely. And I, I agree. You know, we have made some comparisons to Lost and even some of the promotional materials touted things like that, but it is a solely separate show. Resurrection is unrelated to Lost in every way. And, of course, everybody aspires to Lost. But a lot of people, I mean, there's people that love, love, love Resurrection that could not give a hoot about Lost. So it does have a great mystery, and it it is making us ask more and more questions each and every episode. So it's going to be interesting to see what this coming week, uh, what kind of theories we're going to have to come up with. But we will have the listener feedback ready for you so we can hear your thoughts and theories. Hello, this is Neil from Bowie calling into Resurrection Revealed on episode uh, three, Two Rivers. Uh, two of the cliffhanger questions from last time were quickly resolved. It is confirmed that Jacob's remains were in the casket, including his shirt with a faded name tag that looks just like the one on the return Jacob's shirt. Uh, saw that Caleb swung a mean hammer last episode, killing Dale Gethard, who appears to have been his partner in a bank robbery. Caleb uh, was searching around for the buried loot, uh, making lots of holes in the ground, and uh, probably didn't find any. Uh, he also, uh, during the episode, tried to do some computer research, possibly looking for, for the source uh, location of the uh, loot. 
Caleb's son Ray thinks that Caleb is an alien that landed after the river flooded. Fear of Jacob is spread to the church. The board excludes Tom the pastor and declares they don't want Jacob in the church. They fear that perhaps the devil brought back Jacob and Caleb. Tom's uh, past girlfriend, Jacob, has broken into the church at the end of the episode, and we'll have to find out next time the circumstances of her death. There's a theory that somehow the river may have something to do with the resurrections. Jacob drowned in the river. Caleb's ashes were buried in the river. Does Rachel have a connection? In the preview for next week, we see something that we'd seen signs of already. Jacob can feel Caleb's presence. There's some sort of connection between resurrection people. What it is, just how it works, we'll find out next time. That's all. Yeah, the connection, I think, is going to be the interesting thing. Thanks for calling in, Neil. Again, 904-469-7469 if you want to hear your voice here on the show. I think it'd be really great to find out if Rachel has a connection to the river because that will start to answer some questions that these this Arcadia, this river that runs through town, might have something to do with these people coming back. It's got to, one way yeah. or another. Has to. It just seems so suspect that you, of course, give the episode name Two Rivers, talk about this, you know, the two rivers met in the Civil War battle with the blood and then the flood with the dam. You know, so something something's going on with the river. I'm still sticking with that crackpot theory myself. <laughs> now, we do have our insider info of the week. So for those of you that have been, um, you know, listening to the podcast, we have some cool things from the set. And basically, in the opening sequence this week regarding the the baseball catch uh, between Landon and uh, Francis Fisher, you know, basically, they have stand-ins for these actors, right? So, Francis Fisher actually is a lefty, and her stand-in is, is a ginger. Uh, she's actually a righty, where Landon Jimenez is a righty, but his stand-in is a lefty. <laughs> So, obviously, them playing catch together to get the shot had to have been, like, the worst game of catch ever possible. <laughs> so, I'm just curious how many times they had to film that scene in order to get it, the ball to land just right and make it look like you're actually throwing halfway decent. Oh, these are trained professionals, Troy. <laughs> I love the, the info. Who would have thought that it could have come down to something like that? Well, we have another special interview because, again, we're going with our two theme this evening. Yes. Uh, this interview is with Ray Richards himself, Mr. Travis Young. And we have that for you coming up next. So, Travis, you have done more film than television, minus the one episode of The Vampire Diaries. What drew you to this project specifically and wanting to come back to the small screen? Um, well, uh, you know, I mean, I just, I'm, like I said, I'm a small-time actor. I pretty much do what my agent tells me to do. I'm not in a position to say no to things. But, you know, I'm, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's a very, very uh, fortunate for me right now. It's a very, very cool time for an actor in Atlanta, uh, you know, because uh, of all the things that are being filmed here, all the, all, the, all, the, all the productions that are coming through town and all the opportunities that actors are getting that otherwise, you know, I've been an actor, a professional actor, you know, here in town, I've been an actor for, you know, per se for, for 29 years, mm -hmm. uh, you know, doing theater and I went to a performing arts high school and, you know, that, and that, but I'm, you know, being quote unquote paid to act for, uh, you know, 11 years now. And, you know, this, you know, opportunities like this, you know, were unheard of in Atlanta five years ago, you know, and stuff like that. And of course that was before the digital age where we would just tape 
ourselves via our phone and submit it via our phone. And then, you know, a day later, you can hear you book the role. That's unheard of. But nowadays it is. And that's how I got resurrection. Yeah, it's modern technology makes things a lot easier and opens things up for everybody. And we can tell your enthusiasm. Last week, we spoke to fellow cast member Samira Armstrong, and she had a little message for you from Resurrection before we uh, dig deeper. Okay. I can't handle one of your theories right now. It's confusing enough as it is. <laughs> you know, you started throwing out theories about aliens and all of that good stuff, and so we, we thought that was appropriate. I don't know uh, how Elaine feels about the alien theory yet, if that's been brought up, you know. It's kind of an interesting theory because that seemed to have come out of nowhere when you had Ray say that line. You know, do you know anything about Ray's past that would make him suspect aliens? Well, I mean, Ray's, you know, Ray is quote unquote touched, as we should say. Hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and, and um, you know, I think he's, he's uh, I could see Ray being, I would say he's a Dungeons and Dragons kind of guy. You know, a, a sci-fi book kind of guy. Definitely a conspiracy theorist. Um, he definitely follows that type of thing. You know, I mean, he's not, you know, people want to say that he's mentally slow. I really don't think he's, I don't consider him slow. I think he's a social, I think he's socially slow, but he's not ment- mentally, he's a little bit more, he's just as uh, acute as anybody else in the show, if not more. So I mean the the fact that aliens could you know exist you know are, is not beyond the realm of possibility you know within the show and within reality you know so I mean I, I really have I really think that Ray is validated by his theories absolutely well I guess then the question becomes why then if if he's not mentally slow why does Elaine have to take care of him and look out for him is he able to live on his own there in Arcadia. Um, I think if worst come to worst, yes, not, you know, not, I mean, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, he's, he, you know, from a day to day standpoint, as far as, you know, I mean, I, I, I would, wouldn't so go, go, go as far as to say is like personal hygiene or anything like that, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, um, just, you know, day to day tasks, like I said, socially, um, you know, emotionally Ray is on medication, um, Ray, I would, Ray is, I, I personally from, you know, from my idea in, in portraying the character, Ray is a manic depressive. He doesn't have multiple personalities or anything like that. Uh, you know, I think he's very, very in tune with what's, with what's going on around him. Uh, I think he does suffer from a little bit of paranoia issues, but they may serve him, you know, to, to his benefit. You know, um, because it seems like everybody else around him is just oblivious. You know, my sister, God re- God bless her, you know, is 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 just glad that my father's back, regardless of what the circumstances are. You know, and I'm the only one that seems to be slightly skeptical. You know, of of of, of you know of of what's going on. I mean, Bellamy and 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 Maggie. You know, or, or of course, they're, you know, they've got their own theories, you know, but I mean, they're just as in the dark as anybody else. I mean, you know, so, I mean, I, I think I'm perfectly validated to come out and, and say that it's, it's, you know, it's aliens or it's Bigfoot or anybody else. You know, I mean, I, oh. I, I think that, you know, it, you know, it, it, people are coming back from the dead, man. <laughs> you know, people are been dead for years, 13 years, coming back, looking the same way they did, hearts beating, memories intact, and 
I'm weird because I think it's aliens. Come on, man. <laughs> right. You it's know? great <laughs> to have characters that are suspicious and skeptical like us, the viewers, because we agree with you that most of the town is just a little oblivious. And it was kind of interesting, um, Travis, that your character Ray has been out in the woods kind of keeping tabs on Caleb. And we're wondering if, if you're even able to tell us if Ray has bumped into Gary Humphrey during his time out there in the woods. Are, are you friends with um, him? You know, is Ray friends with Gary? And would Ray team up with anybody in particular to maybe bring Caleb down if, if it comes to that? Um, you know, uh, to be honest with you, you know, Ray doesn't have a whole lot of friends. Um, you know, I mean, he's very much to himself. His best friend is his sister. Um, so, I mean, just because, you know, I was in the woods and Gary was in the woods at this point, I would say that that's just a coincidence. Um, you know, there's definitely more to be revealed that I, you know, I'm definitely, you know, would like to talk more about later on, but, uh, you know, I don't want this to sound like a cop out, but you guys are just going to have to watch and find out as far as that question's concerned. <laughs> Can't hurt to so, ask, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I just want to remind everybody we're talking with Travis Young, who plays Ray Richards on Resurrection. So switching gears a little bit, the bedroom scene last week in episode two, you go, you're in there, you're looking for the Bible. Caleb kind of comes in and he's a little bit aggressive, if you will. And you seem to play the character as if you were afraid. Now, are you afraid of Caleb because of what this new version of him is? Or are you afraid of him because in Ray's upbringing, Caleb was more of a, say, heavy-handed father, possibly? Um, you know, I think it's a, a pretty apparent that Ray is, is terrified of Caleb at this point. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I mean, Caleb, is he's definitely not showing the same mannerisms, the same idiosyncrasies, the same emotional tendencies that his father did in the past. I think he, his father did go head to head a lot. And it's, and Caleb did give him a hard time with certain things, especially because of Ray's condition. Uh, and, 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 and Caleb was a little, uh, you know, uh, short with him impatient with him growing up, but he, he, he was never abusive to him. And, you know, I think that the, any past trans transgressions, between Ray and Caleb before he died are basically, you know, irrelevant hmm. to Ray simply because he knows Caleb, you know, is not his father. Uh, even if they didn't, you know, hadn't gone along, gotten along years ago, it wouldn't register in Ray's mind to put two and two together now. So interesting. That gives us some insight into the uh, character. Now, Travis, talking a little bit about maybe how it is to work with Sam and Samira, you know, uh, has there been any goofiness between all three of you on the set? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> uh -oh, we got a chuckle. The Something's other, going on. The other to see Sam's behind, uh, you know, Sam, Sam's in, in London. So, uh, you know, I, I, you know, and he seems he seems like he doesn't like he's not on the Internet much. So I, I, I like to, I messed with him the other day. I, I texted him and I said, uh, you know, I don't want to get in trouble for saying this because this is purely a joke. I didn't know. But I, I, te I text or I would him via Facebook. I said, hey, man, the show's canceled. Did you find oh. that out? Did you know that? <laughs> no. What? What are you talking about? I said, yeah, man, it's all over the, it's all over the Internet. What, where did you see, send me the link? I don't have Internet right. God, right. What? And then I, <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> hilarious they have me locked into a contract i'm hanging up the phone you know? 
stuff like that. Um, you know, of course, you know, we both know the, the, both know the show is not canceled. Uh, you know, Samira and I joke all the time. I mean, you know, I mean, we, we met, we, we messaged since the show's been on. It, it's, it's interesting. She and I and Sam and I have all been in contact more than anybody else. You know, I mean, just, just letting each other know what's going on with the show, just kind of just randomly talking about things. We just we established a very very close bond during the filming, you know. I mean, it really doesn't mean you know. I mean, actors do that when you when you when you're playing a family member, especially, you know. I mean, Samira, I do feel like she's my sister on on camera. I mean, but you know, if you know, with an actor, you want to realize that stuff, you know. I mean, you want to internalize it. You want to make it as believable as possible. When you do that, by default, you naturally. Um, uh, experience those emotions for real. Well, you surrounded so. yourself with a great family, but no family is complete without the pet, you know, the family dog, right? So right. talk a little bit about Ninja. Like, what was it like working with them and how much food did he really <laughs> eat from the fridge? Oh, boy. Uh, Ninja, Ninja. Well, first off, I'll tell you what. When I first filmed my first scene, uh, where, where, where Maggie comes to the door and it introduces my character and I say, Ninja caught a rat. He's out in the barn. You want to see it. When I read, when I auditioned for the role, those were the, those were the sides that I was given to read. I thought Ninja was me. <laughs> hmm, I had no idea that Ninja Method was the dog until after we filmed the scene. Because I thought, okay, well, Ray's crazy. He thinks he's a ninja. You know? So, I mean, I, I literally thought that. So that, that's how I, I gave, you know, delivered the line. And then after Aaron Zellman, I went up to him and Charles McDougall, the director and the producer and the writer, I went up to them afterwards and I said, Ninja's me, right? Or is Ninja the dog? And they're like, what? Ninja's the dog. And I'm like, whoops. <laughs> you know, but it didn't matter. Because Ray is already, you know, out there anyway, and it didn't matter. So, anyway, there's that. In actually working with the dog, the dog's name is Zeke, okay? The dog is a, is a and he speaks only German, um, as far as commands are concerned. Um, you know, uh, you know, Sitz, nine, you know, stuff like that. Uh, uh, Schnell, you know, stuff like that. You know, he only, and, and you know, he responds to uh, you know, certain toys and certain toys that make certain noises that make him bark. You know, he had a couple trainers with him that, you know, that 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 made him do certain things that, you know, bark and 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 react in the ways that he did. But uh, <laughs> the the dog Zeke, uh, Ninja and, and Sam did not get along <laughs> at all. Every time that the the, the, uh, the w during the barn scene at the end of episode 1, the pilot episode when the dog is barking and I open the door and, and he comes out and he takes that red hat off, mm -hmm. the dog snatched the hat out of his hand and threw it across the yard. So it's completely throwing Sam off, but they wouldn't cut. So fluster Sam so much, you know, that, I mean, he, he would just, he just, he, he just had it out for these, like that dog is completely psychotic. <laughs> you know, and it would, it, he worked with it a couple more times and, uh, there's another in the, in the following episode, in the upcoming episode, there's a, there's a big scene I have with the dog and, you know, I mean, it, it I, 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 I loved him, you know, I mean, I love, you know, such a smart, smart animal, you know, so, uh, but as far as him eating out of the fridge, oh yeah, 
that's my friend. That that dog, the dog is 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 my along with my sister. I got Ninja. It's great to see the whole cast, even the dog, all becoming a family on the show so quickly. Now to kind of before wrapping up, we just want to th- rapid fire a few off the cuff type of uh, non related questions to you. Um, we're wondering now, Travis, um, what is your favorite color, and what do you th- suppose Ray's favorite color would be? Well, I like to bring myself to every character. So whatever my character is, is my favorite character. My, my favorite color is, is my character's favorite character, favorite, favorite color, because that's what makes it more believable. And that would be blue. How about favorite mm. movie? Favorite movie, Friday the 13th. Same for Ray? Uh, Ray, I would say The Last Starfighter. Oh, that's a great flick. Interesting. That's, we're, this, this is Never. the kind of hard-hitting insight into characters that we were hoping to get. Now, what, what's your favorite type of music, Travis? Uh, I love punk rock and hardcore music. Do you think Ray's the same way since he's in yes. Arcadia, Missouri? Yes, Ray is a metalhead. Metal! I love it. <laughs> what about your favorite season during the year? Uh, that would be that would be fall. Ray as well. Uh, Ray fall slash winter. Ray Ray she, she likes to stay inside. And then we've been asking everybody that we've talked to, you know, because obviously it's about people coming back from beyond the dead, whatever it might be, because we don't know. If you could have one person from history come back to life, who would that person be, and what one question would you ask them? Um, that would be my sis, my very best friend. Her name is Carrie Stribling. Uh, her father recently passed away, and he's one of the greatest men I've known. Um, and he died very, very abruptly. To cancer, it ate him up within a month. He was otherwise a very, very healthy man. You know, if he, if if I could have anybody come back, because I know how much she loved him, and I know how much she loves her family. If he could come back, and I would give that question over to her, whatever that would be. Any future uh, projects that we can tout for you, or possible charities that you're working with? Yes, I would like to promote, if possible, my uh, my brothers Matthew and Jared Young. They have a brilliant production company here in Atlanta. Very, very well known. They've worked with Kurtwood. They've worked with Tom Sizemore. They've worked with Burt Reynolds. Uh, and all of this is in their demo reel at Brothers Young Productions. And that is broyopro.com. Please go check them out. Um, they are absolutely brilliant. They have some, some great, uh, a great you know, couple features uh, that are coming down the, the pike that I think everybody's going to really love. Excellent. We will definitely link to that in our show notes over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Travis. So people can see it there. Um, Travis, we want to thank you for taking the time out, um, hooking up with us and uh, joining us here on the podcast, learning a lot about you as well as uh, some of your insights into Ray. And we wish you nothing but success. Be sure to keep us posted on any upcoming uh, gigs that you land. It's going to be good to hear from you. Thank you, gentlemen. Wow, if you're not excited for this show after listening to Travis's interview, I don't know where you've been because I am so amped up right now. I am just so excited to watch what else is going to happen, especially with Ray. Oh, no doubt. This coming Sunday night, it, if anything else comes of his alien theory or the other uh, you know, kind of trailing Caleb around, it's going to be exciting. Now, we did have some more listener feedback uh, via email, Facebook, Twitter, etc., so Mike actually wrote in, he goes by Redis, 
He said, very cool podcast to go along with the great show. First, I feel like the sheriff is in that particular bar because the bald man is in that bar. No town in this state that I can't find him in kind of style. I think he's there to basically get the word out and tell that guy, no, he's not going to come after him, but he isn't really happy, so don't push your luck. And that's kind of right in line with what you said at the top of the show, Troy, where we can kind of see Frank's obsession kind of, it's causing him to become unraveled and maybe going to that bar outside of Arcadia in Newton on purpose. The fact that he did not have on his uniform, kind of hiding his identity a little. And he makes that speech with the full intent of maybe knowing that Sam Catlin goes to that bar and that someone would relay the message to him if by some chance he weren't there to hear uh, the speech firsthand. Which, of course, he was getting his chicken wings for him and whoever's in the house. <laughs> yes. Uh, great theory from last week's episode. Now, keeping with Fred, um, DH writes in and says, hi, thanks for the great podcast. I really enjoy it. Thank you, DH. And says, I just have a small theory on Barbara's accident. I think she wanted to or needed to disappear and make it look like she drowned. The bald man, her lover, was involved in that plan, of course. But Jacob dying was not part of the plan. Troy, what say you to that? Wow, that is an interesting thought since yes. you know, basically Caleb would kind of be in the same boat, I guess, if he did actually rob the bank. So the heart attack was the part that just wasn't planned. So again, here, it's this kind of theme of if you do bad things, bad things might happen. So how do you change when you get a second chance? Like Caleb said, you know, you take it full on last week in episode two. What do you do with that second chance? I think that's a really great theme for the show. Yeah, th- this one I did not see coming. That was a, that was a great theory that I'm going to have to pay attention to this week. Now, Ray, not Ray Richards, different Ray. He wrote in again this week regarding Uncle Fred as well. He says that he feels that Fred accepts what Jacob tells him about his wife's death. Hmm. But what he thought was interesting was Jacob's reaction to Fred's question. What are you? But he does feel for Fred because if that was Aunt Barbara in the house with Sam, Fred will go completely over the edge. He continues that Caleb is not a space alien, obviously, like Ray thinks. We'll see what they're both up to next week. Gary Humphrey and his friends are either, as Ray puts it, this is how Ray puts it, uh, Ray that called in. Ray says, yeah. the rednecks that are basically out to shoot some of the returned or possibly maybe even working for the government undercover. Now, Tom's congregation's behavior doesn't surprise him at all, and Rachel looks like a very interesting character in a past relationship with Tom. Oh, my! Exclamation point times five. <laughs> and it, the past relationship may have been before he was even married to his current wife or or... Or is he even married? I'm trying to remember what's going on with uh, our buddy Tom there. He does uh, mention it in the preview. He's like, I have to talk to my wife first. That's right. So this relationship might have been prior to being married to her, but still it's bound to at least complicate things in such a small town. And the real question with that will be, does Tom, was Tom fully committed to his current marriage? Did he always have this like missing spot in his heart for Rachel? And then because of that, you know, now he's kind of been living in a marriage, but it's kind of been a loveless marriage. So I wonder how that plays out. Something mm. to think about as you watch next week's episode. I don't know. I, th- I think Tom and his marriage is probably just fine. This is just something else to explain, especially since she broke into the church and uh, messy stuff. Now, Ion Trone on Twitter said, what if, and I love the what if questions, what if the resurrected people are 
pirates themselves, as in pirating bodies and or souls. And I thought that as well, when there were two ships now, and I think this was something that is foreshadowing one from maybe a happier Jacob and Henry, from the more darker, more complex Jacob and Henry, being that there is now a pirate ship. Again, two different schools of thought and two ships. It's a very interesting point. We'll have to see how that plays out. I do not know. I wish I could catch some of these things myself the first time I watched the show. <laughs> but yeah. That's why we love listener feedback, because they catch things. We, we love you guys. It's awesome. Yeah, and it totally makes it all flush out. So that way, if we can all get to the truth faster together, I think that's absolutely great. Now, we did have a YouTube comment this week from Thomas. Interesting. He says, uh, I think we are seeing how quick human beings are to single out someone who doesn't fit in this week and how fast we are at judging them and condemning someone who doesn't fit into the box. Even the church has rejected this kid. And based on what the one lady told the pastor, if they don't think it's coming from God, then the only thing left is that they must think he's coming from hell. That is so judgmental. I got a feeling that when we find out what's really going on, it's going to probably be something like Jacob wakes up from a dream and it's been a bad nightmare. No. Because the author of the book, Jason Mott, said that the whole thing basically started with this dream that he had. So, of course, you know, Thomas doesn't mind being wrong. The whole thing is basically the fictional side of the show that he's really interested in. So we'll see how it plays out because the fiction stuff is really what's most interesting. Wow. Those are great observations. Um, I don't know where to go with that, but uh, I hope it's not a snow globe or, or dream ending or anything like that uh, once the show does wrap up. Hopefully, you know, the show has a great season one finale and gets re resurrected for a second season of Resurrection and we can continue on and the writers can tell the full story with uh, no lame endings. Yeah, hopefully it's a nice clean finish. And it's something moving, too, at the very end, right? Because if we go on this journey and build these relationships up, we want to make sure that we feel like we have closure with these relationships come towards the end. Right. It's not necessarily all about getting the answers. It can be about the relationships as well and how everybody's coping with all these people popping back. And who's to say if the returned are permanently back, there might even come a day where they all just disappear as suddenly as they arrived. That would be freaky as well. You heard it here on episode eight. Wayne's theory. They all disappear. Make a note of it. <laughs> now, I wanted to, on a sidetrack just for a moment, want to let you know that in addition to Resurrection Revealed, uh, Troy and I have some fun podcasting about another ABC show, Revenge. That's the one that comes on right after Resurrection. And the podcast is on the TV Talk Network. It's called TV Talk Revenge. And if you want to hear us getting totally slap happy about another TV show, check it out. And this works out great since Sunday nights can also be called, in my opinion, Make it an ABC night. In fact, you know how Once Upon a Time comes on before Resurrection. Well, fellow Noodle Mix podcasters Daniel and Jeremy podcast about Once Upon a Time on their Once podcast. Between us all, we've got your ABC Sunday Night TV covered. And we are absolutely humbled and honored that you would take time out of your busy day to even listen to us, let alone all these other great shows on TV Talk and on Noodle Mix Network. So we just want to say thank you so much for making Resurrection Revealed awesome so far. Uh, we're about halfway through almost here come this weekend. So oh. stick with it and uh, we'll get there to the end to episode eight and hopefully many seasons to come. 
and Resurrection Revealed is not officially tied to ABC or Plan B. And since we're in the land of the living, you know, there's some costs tied to keeping the website running, the feed of the great episodes and interviews coming to you. So if you love what you're hearing from us, head on over to resurrectionrevealed.com support. And please consider sending us a one-time or even monthly ongoing donation showing how much you love Resurrection Revealed. And don't forget, every Sunday after the East Coast airing at 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 Central, 7.30 Pacific, if you're lucky enough to see the East Coast feed, we will be live talking about our initial thoughts and reactions, chatting with you all the fans. So be sure to join us by visiting resurrectionrevealed.com slash live 30 minutes after the East Coast feed. Until then, I'm Troy. And I'm Wayne, and we will uh, see you next time on Resurrection Revealed. Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Like our clean comedy podcast, The Ramen Noodle, and the award-winning Audacity to Podcast. Subscribe today. This and more great content is waiting for you at noodle.mx.